0: This is the iMarket Podcast, brought to you by the Marketing Society of Kenya, EABL, and Capital FM. My guest today is my friend and someone I truly admire, Caroline Kendi, the head of marketing at Safaricom. In this episode, Kendi shares her career journey, leading marketing for great Kenyan brands such as Blueband, Tusker, and now Safaricom. In case you didn't know, she was part of the team that launched the successful Tusker Project fame in 2007. We talk about what it takes to build a brand and how she stays true to marketing principles. Kendi opens up on how the Safaricom brand has leveraged connectivity and what happens when political force influences consumer behavior. Kendi has been a jury member at the Luries Africa and she was a deputy chief judge at the MSK Awards in 2020. She shares why Africans, particularly Kenyans, need to share more of the amazing marketing work we do. In addition to that, Candy opens up about how she balances work and life and stays grounded. Hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. I'm really excited about this episode because I have my friend Caroline Kendi. Um, she'll introduce herself, tell us who she is. Um, and I know we're going to have a good time. So Caroline, welcome. Should I call you Kendi or Caroline? Nobody calls me Caroline okay, uh, Kendi, in the world. Yes. Welcome <laughs> to the Marketing Society of Kenya's podcast. I market. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. It's been a long time coming, so yeah, yeah it's going to be great fun. Yeah. So let's um let's start with, you know, where you've come from from a career perspective. A lot of people don't know you, Candy. What you're doing now and where you've come from. What's your journey been like, Candy? Okay, cool. well um, oh, that sounds like an interview question. I know. Like, okay. Tell us about yourself. Let me my. Tell me the juicy bits <laughs> about your career journey. The juicy bits. Um, well, so I think first and uh, important is, I you know, sometimes, you know, when you think about, did I, did I know I was going to end up in marketing? You know, today you know how when you're a kid and everyone starts from like, what do you want to be? I want to be a marketer. Nobody says that, right? That's true. By no, the way. everyone <laughs> knows he's like doctor, lawyer. So, so I kind of found my way by good luck into a career that I that I love. So I started out. Obviously, I went to school. In Kenya, so I'm born and bred. I went to a public school, went to a public high school, you know, and and a public university. So I think, you know, in those days, yeah, when you asked what you need to want to be, you had it was there was a few answers that you wouldn't embarrass your parents, yeah? right? So you say doctor, lawyer, whatever. And I went to a cousin's house, so she was much older, a family friend, much older, and she worked. Um, she, she I, I didn't know. I didn't know. She was significantly older than me. And I didn't know what she did. But I went to her bedroom. And her bedroom was kitted. Like she had a TV. I was maybe 10. Mm-hmm. She had a TV, a music system. You know. And I was like, damn. I was like, ask her brother. I was like, what does this person do? And she said, she does marketing. And I was like, ah, I'm going to be a marketer. And then, see where your motivation uh, came from. Exactly. Uh-huh. It was very deep. Uh-huh. Um, and then and, uh, she does marketing. And she does marketing at Unilever. Okay. So something in my brain you know, logged that that's what I'm going to do. So when I was in uni, you know, I went to, you know, through the interview process and got into Unilever as a management trainee then. And even then, I didn't know what marketing was really. But I was like, you know, at least this company, this, you can get uh, money to buy right. stuff. <laughs> there you go. So that's actually how I started my career. So I did about a year in sales. So those days, we'd do part of the training program. You'd go into the market, into sales. So I went to Kisumu, that you know, western area. Kericho, lived in Kericho for a while, and I was literally selling, working with a distributor with a van. You know, my street cred was a blue band van. was it a blue band or Omo and a pickup truck? And I used to cruise the streets. So that's sort of where I started. Then I came now into mainstream marketing um, because I was a assistant, assistant brand manager at that point. So, so that's really... Interesting because these graduate management trainee programs that we don't see enough of today in in organizations really shaped a lot of the marketing leaders we have today. So you've just told this story. and reminded me of Andrea Mishira's story because she started this exactly what you've said. She was in a van driving (laughs) at BAT. Same with our marketing director at EABL, Graham. He said started as a graduate management trainee at Diageo many years ago. What did that program do for you, you know, to get you to where you are today? I think, you know, first, literally, because it was my first job, right? So I I grew up in Nairobi in a radius of X kilometers. So, you know, when you get your first job, and I was given keys of a pickup, and I was told drive on this road until you reach a place called Kericho. Wow. (laughs) You know, it was and and we had this, you know, amazing um, sales manager then, who he just used to tease us all the time because we're just there before now, uh, before we were posted. And he'd be like, please, when you go, look for a place called Awendo. In the atlas, <laughs> go find that. At, you know, go and find, and say, find Awendo, and would we'll be so panicky. So it, for me, it did a lot with regard. I think understanding how business works. And especially in yeah. a, in markets like this, yeah. you know, understanding what what who's the customer, you know. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever gone into any campaign or any marketing strategy because you always understand when you know when you're in the market when you're there on a market day and you're trying to push soap or soup or you know whatever you really understand who your end user is and what are the conditions with which business operates. Yeah. yeah? And and I think that that grounding is what has helped me you know, always uh, sort of make sure I'm very clear that I'm not the customer. Yeah. And my exposure and my perspective is not the person I'm selling to. Yeah. And being able to just always consistently separate that. Yeah, I think Mark Ritson says it very well. He <coughs> says the, the biggest mistake marketers make is they believe they're creating for themselves when they actually, they don't even understand the consumer. So of the big things we need to do is understand the consumer and the trade and, and, and marketing yeah. is not just about promotion. It's it's no. everything. In yeah. fact, as you know, I know you've marketed blue band in fact I, I need to call you mama blue band blue you marketed tasca <laughs> and now safaricom three great kenyan brands how has your journey been at safaricom um, yeah so yeah. so so after unilever so let me give you my journey so because uh, safaricom is sort of the current so i did um, unilever for a couple of years mostly um, blue band then and then i i got an opportunity to go to tasca and at that time I think, you know, EABL was there, but it was before brands like Safaricom. So the places where you used to go for marketing budget was Tasca. So it was literally a dream job in so many ways. And that time, Tasca actually was, they had just done Tasca's Project Fame Season 1. Okay. Right? So, so, so which year was that? That was... 2007 Okay. Right around there. So it was such an interesting time. Yeah, to... Because first, I, you know, beer. I have no... I don't know anything about beer. You know, my mom was like... Because, you know, I was working... I was, came from this you know, selling soap and nice respect. She's like, what you're selling, I can't even take to my friends. (laughs) You know, she was so horrified that she couldn't understand how this is a better job. She was just like, why? Why don't people buy as much soap as they buy beer? So it was such an interesting uh, transition, <laughs> but but it was great fun. It was a fun job. I remember I loved, you know. I mean, TPF, you know, is one of the the most intense, but also one of the most I think beautiful parts of marketing because it was epic. It yeah? was and a it legacy, and you know, we, we still have we. consumers talking about TPF when we do social listening. They're like, "Bring it back!" Uh, yes, you bring know? it back. I'm also <laughs> a part of that. Listen <laughs> to me. But it was fun, and it was fun because it was it, that, that time. You know, reality TV was like. Yeah. Novel. It was that time of Big Brother. So, having our own reality TV and then, and then worked for the brand. It worked, you know, it was actually one of those, you know, things that was out in innovative and worked both for the brand and for the customer. So, great, great experience. And then I had a child. And then I, I used to tell people my job is to. Throw parties for a living. I just Imagine throw that. Parties. That is my job. Fun we made times. it more posh now, Candy. Now we call it celebrating life every day, every day. Oh, everywhere. That is, That's that our was, purpose. That was still the purpose, <laughs> the mission. I remember that. Also, to, aka, translated to I throw parties for a living, okay? I mean, Sherehe <laughs> <I, I>, <laughs> and good times. Good times. Good times and only. <laughs> Um, then I had a baby and, and I think it's important when you talk about career journey because most of the time I, people ask me what is, what is the trigger on yeah. why you move from A to B to C right and for me you know a lot a big decision that was a good example Right, it has to my my work has to work for my life correct right and yeah. at that point I had a one, one year old you know the intensities of raising a child a small child and yet the role expected you need to be in bars you need to be throwing right. sherehe fun times good times right so at that point you know I, thankfully Unilever now came back okay and they were like yeah so you know hey are you, are you are you game and it was interesting because at that point i was ready so personally from a personal you know where i was okay i knew Unilever so interesting was you again don't burn your bridges yeah. Right? Important lesson. Because when I by the time I left when I left it was not like you know, I'm leaving because of anything else left. Like, Guys, this is a great opportunity. Mm. Yeah. Even my boss that time was like, Hey, okay, just go. Mm. Um, so by the time they were like, you know what, coming back, and, you know, I felt it was great because they had a lot of credibility. You know, they were just like, we know you, your hours yes. technically. In fact, yes. they kept saying, you know, we, we just loaned you to those uh, Diageo people. Yes. Come back home. And that's how I came. So actually, have an interesting story. I worked for the same employer twice. That's good. Says a lot about your character. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Then I, and when I came here, I went and worked at the regional office in South Africa when I went okay. back to Unilever, right? Okay. Because, and again, that was helpful because I knew how Unilever was structured and then therefore i wanted to build strategic marketing experience because okay. most of us here in markets like this where there's a group office in london or south africa whatever and then you just roll You're out we're just doing execution you yeah. so now yeah. you had the opportunity to do to build the toolkit okay. to actually be part of that creative process and understand how it works and i really believe that is how i ended up at safaricom okay. because then now my role at safaricom is was very is very much around really building um the you know doing that brand development and strategy for the brand and then executing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, the journey. Okay, <laughs> in- interesting journey. And and let's talk a bit about the journey that also Safaricom has taken. Uh, Twenty-one years old now in building a brand. And I remember Safaricom was not always the market leader. It was the underdog. There was somebody else in the market. And now you come to this organization, and um, and you know, the brand has been built but you need to continue building the brand. I'm sure you get asked by people, why do you guys need to market m Everybody in the world knows m Why do you need to continue? Why do you even have a marketing team or marketing budget? What's that journey been like? So it's, it's interesting. So I think first personally for me, that was one of the most intimidating jobs or brands really? to ever start working on. Are you serious? Because I mean, first you're coming from this little small company. You need you need who? You know, <laughs> in Kenya, <laughs> if you compare the sizes right. of the businesses and the brands, right? Right. You know, there was a little bit of hmm, what You know, and mm. and then I mean, also it's an amazing brand. Yeah, yes. and I always say, you know, working at a, with a brand on Safaricom, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. Absolutely. In the sense that there's a lot of people who, before you who have done. Amazing work. Yes. So coming in is dozens of okay, okay, am I, am I, you know, am I going to be able to? So actually, that that for me was one of the, the toughest transitions. Okay. Yeah, because it's an amazing brand. Um, you know, I remember everyone used to play Nikona every, mm. and they said, we just want another Nikona. <laughs> <laughs> We have it hey, pressure? Pressure. I just, you know, <laughs> this is how we will determine whether you're worth your salt <laughs> in this organization or not. <laughs> and I'm like, this nikona uh, man, you know, great. that's an epic ad, anyway, an epic campaign, yeah. Any way you look at it. So, so I think for me personally, it's been a really interesting journey of understanding what is it that I learned from Unilever, what is it that I learned from Diageo, and that I'm able to to bring into a brand like Safaricom to take it to the next level. Yeah. So really, that thing of you know, you're not taking anything away. Yeah, you're only adding and you're only building and you're only doing your part in this long, huge legacy. You're just, you know, putting your mark and putting your your part in it. So the journey for Safaricom has been very interesting. Safaricom is why it's an iconic brand here. It's because first it's for me the pride of it's a local, locally Kenyan brand built by Kenyans for Kenyans and going into the world, right? Most of multinationals, yeah. they start somewhere yeah. else. Yeah? yeah. And we just, you know, Unilever, started yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so so there's just something really powerful about that. It is. It, it amazes me how I'd go to, and this was also such a, a mindset shift for me when, uh, you know, we'd go usually, if I'm working for Unilever or Diageo, we'd go and, you know, best practice is always somewhere else. I know. And you sit there and you're just like, oh, how can <laughs> we roll out this in our market? And imagine my shock and I went to this Vodafone thing and they were like, all oh, the examples are like, like Kenya, m like, can you tell us how you did that? And I'm like, oh, you know, Safaricom. So being you yeah, the global best practice, best practice, and on, and yeah. on things, and and it's actually amazing. You know, when you realize that, it's the responsibility also is huge. So yeah, so Safaricom's journey. It, so that's that's the journey. The journey. I think what I would say as a brand, what has remained consistent, especially just back to your question around from being the underdog to being a leader, was really being keeping the customer at the core and okay. understanding who the customer is. And I remember, you know, the controversial Michael Joseph saying Kenyans are peculiar. Mm. But you have to understand how the habits are and how people think. Yeah. Yeah. And that thing of please call me and then you cut out. I mean, that thing of was a peculiar thing, right? That was very unique to Kenya. But understanding that and then innovating around that and and providing solutions around that that generate value for the customer and for the brand. So I think if you ask me, that's the ingredient that we always try and, and make sure that you understand what is it that your customer needs. As a brand, Safaricom speaks to first. Understanding, anticipating what people need even before they know it, right? Because in this world yeah. of tech, sometimes, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I want to communicate, yeah. right? But I don't know the solution is a data bundle, right? Okay. Yeah. So, not, so I'm not telling you what you want as a customer, but I understand what you want at the core, which is I want to be always on, I want to be con- communicating consistently, and then therefore now leveraging our business, our portfolio, how are we giving you solutions for that? And doing that consistently is what I think is sort of the thing that keeps us and understanding, you know, your mama boga yeah. at that level, your Boda guy, because those are the people who are our customers at the end of the day. So how did that translate when the pandemic hit, when consumer behavior shifted? Were you reading the consumer's behavior more frequently now? Is there something you did differently now to address what was going on? Because it was an event nobody had planned for. You did not have a strategy for how to, you know, markets during a pandemic i'm sure you didn't (laughs) if you did well done (laughs) no um so what did you do differently so i think the pandemic was interesting on in in many ways one is and i always say the thing that the pandemic did is it just accelerated this digital transformation we've been talking about it sure did you know a funny joke i always say is our it guys who had been trying for years to get us to use teams and we'd be like it doesn't work (laughs) We're not using it. It's ineffective. Oh. We're not doing it. Um, we're, you know, we'll continue how we are. And as soon as the pandemic here, we will learn, tim easily. Oh, this is nice. Oh my uh-huh. goodness. It even, you can even chat. Uh-huh. You know, it works on my phone. So so I think first, um, and, and I think, you know, in the back of our minds as a business, as everyone knew, you know, this digital transformation and revolution is coming, right? Right. So for us as a business, I think the first thing for, as a brand, so let me talk about as a brand, One of the things we were very clear about is we cannot be tone deaf and we cannot... One of the things we always do as a brand is make sure that we are continuously being... We are Kenyans and we are part of the Kenyan community and the Kenyan community is going through pain we're part of that community that's going through pain. So during that pandemic, you know, brand-wise and communication-wise and engagement-wise, we were like, you know what, guys? During this time, we're actually about seeing how we're we helping you stay connected, yeah? So we had this whole campaign around, you're apart, but you're not alone. You know, how are we leveraging connectivity yeah. mm, to get people to still connect? How are we making sure that, so, we you know, that's when we said um, we get M-Pesa, transactions less than a thousand were free. Right. Yeah, because we understood what people are going through and we're like, you know, we're part of it and we understand. We doubled the bandwidth um, for people Working from home because again, we understood that people now are not going to the office. Yeah, so a lot of ways, a lot of changes from our our product propositions, yeah, to be relevant and to really be part, support, and be part of our customers' lives at that point. And then, more importantly, as a brand, now, even when you came to our foundation uh, and everything that we're doing with regards to actually helping. Yeah, you know, we're part of, you know, the coalition of, you know, putting money together as a corporate sector to help people right. uh, struggling with <clears throat> the pandemic. Yeah. um, You know, we, we did the call center, the COVID recovery uh, reporting center, a free, toll-free line so you can report, especially at that time when we didn't know what was happening. Right. I think the res- the response was basically both as a brand, as a corporate member of the society. Yeah. But then more importantly, even when it comes to the solutions, we actually made sure that our products and services were speaking to the the time and eventually I think the power of being relevant to customers at that point really pays off yeah yeah yeah, because you still posted great uh, prof- profits at the end of the, the financial year. So what would your advice be to marketers on what to do or not to do during a pandemic? I think some things hold true all the time. And when it comes to understanding empathy for your customers, understanding what people yeah, are going empathy. through. That for me is just pandemic or no pandemic, yeah? You know, because, you know, technically when you look at the pandemic, yeah, it was a global pandemic, yes. When you look at the struggles that an everyday Kenyan has, right? For you to be relevant, and and I always say, in, in when you're building brands, you're convincing somebody to spend their hard-earned money on you. What is it that you're doing for them mm-hmm. that is actually gonna get them to feel that it's important for them to give you that 50 bob or that 100 bob or that 200 bob? So first, you have to really have that empathy and really understand what your customer is going through. And that's why you know that thing of really you know understanding what's the insight, what's the human truth, what's the deep penetrating truth. That's that's for me the holy grail because unless you get that, you will never people just not pay attention to you and what you're saying and what you're doing. And the second thing is you have to also, it it has to be bigger than just money, yeah? If you do the right thing and you do it for the community and you're part of, you know, you're living in purpose. Yeah, you know, sometimes as brands and businesses, you have your mission, your whatever. Mm. Unless you're really always going back to see how is this thing transforming someone's life? So for Safaricom, it's transforming lives and being a companion to uh, and anticipating their needs. When you're doing this, how is it that I'm transforming your life? Yeah, Because the pandemic was catastrophic. So how how can I transform your life? Actually, yeah. I'll make it easier for you to work from home. That's me playing my role. And I'm going to do this. And, you know, so that for me, I think is the balance is you have to always understand what your customer needs. And then really, as a brand, you have to be clearly uh, clear about your purpose and bring your purpose to life in everything you do. That has to be the thing that the why. And so the so you do all follow. this. And I love all the emotive and brand building long term stuff that Safaricom does. We have an election next year facing us. Yeah. And if we, if I just reflect back on 2017, when we had two elections. Okay. <laughs> Let me not laugh. That was so not many. funny. There were so many when ways. you had two presen- presidential elections, when we had an election in 2017, and due to political influence, the you know consumers were asked not to pledge allegiance to M-Pesa um, from Safaricom. What did that do for the brand? And what, are you, what did that teach you as we go into an election year next year? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I think, you know, first, the understanding and appreciation of the role we play in this community as a brand I think you cannot in this country yeah, yeah. So we're because already, you're a Kenyan a t- brand a national heritage li- and also because of our products and services right like literally every Kenyan is interacting with us every other day in some form there you go right yeah so there's a risk even like you know to be seen as the government and the you know part yeah. of the system that's oppressing me right so what happened um, with the elections at that point I mean first we took a hit especially on brand uh, affinity Right. And, 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 you know, sometimes, you know, you can, I can be buying you because what do I do? I need to, someone has sent me a pesa. I will go and use it. Right. But, I'll still be like, this brand is not a brand for people like me because it is. It is part of the system that is oppressing me. So, and that is sort of contextually what happened. So what was very important for us as a brand was really one is to, uh, you know, within that period, you know, it is what it is. You know, if somebody says don't consume it, you know, you, can, you there are things which are within your control and there are things which are not within your control. Yeah. What is within your control as a brand? One was don't lose focus on who we are. Yeah. yeah and as a brand, we're still about transforming lives we're still about you know building communities we're still about you know helping people achieve dreams in you know in in leveraging technology so with with that that never changed right your long-term objectives for building the brand just remain constant who we are didn't change yeah and that's I think the consistent thing that you'll see we did not change who we were what we did is we said now what are the things that are making people feel that we are part of the system because there has to be something that they were hinging on Mm. that made people feel like ah Anyway, you are part of the system that is oppressing me. Mm. And that is sort of the work that we did with the repositioning. And when we repositioned ourselves around, Safaricom is for you. right? Because there was a real understanding of this, something about how we were, who we were, how we were presenting ourselves, Yeah. that people were feeling you've left me. And it's a factor of many things. I mean, you're busy, a successful business. In a world where people are like me, my life is not as successful as yours. So, you know, how are you reassuring me that you are actually... You exist for me. Yeah. So the thinking and the inspiration around the whole repositioning around SafariCom is for you the imp- the importance of us even putting because a big you know issue we had and it's it's getting less and less it's still there a little bit was this thing of I don't know where my data is going you know you know you guys mm. are just stealing mm. from me literally mm. using words like those reassuring to say look we're doing everything that we can to make sure that we are simple transparent and honest for mm. you mm. and that really helped when you looked at our numbers and the importance of just even that reassurance to say look we've heard you we're not in this Eiffel Tower uh, in, this, in the middle of nowhere not listening to me. Yeah. we've heard you and we're working on it. And that vulnerability actually helped to drive a lot of affinity for our brand. And now, if you look at even social media, when somebody's upset, they have something to hold us accountable They're like, yeah. you guys are not being simple. I don't understand what this is. Or you're not being transparent. And that sort of has, is beca- has become a huge, you know, focus for us as a business, which is why we're talking about customer obsession. Right. Yeah. We're all about the customer. Everything yeah. we do is about the customer. And that sort of is now sort of the guiding light to make sure that we don't end up there again next year. Yeah, Brilliant, brilliant. You know, because your response was not typical of a big brand. You know, it was, you know, like you said, you were not tuned there if you listened. And came up with this fantastic campaign. Let me just switch gears a bit and, and let me now now get to candy the person <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know like take a sip of your coffee, coffee. coffee. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm first of all, as you're sipping that yes. you know I know you you know you mentioned you did work at EABL some time back the Tusker Project Fame you were also head of spirits you've experienced uh, many of our products. what is the one drink that you'd say personalizes you? And I have to ask that because I work at EBO. I know. I'm and, like, and I'm like, you are my consumer. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> um, the, this is the ad break, you know, where we're I having know. a drink I'm like, now. Wait, which drink? And I'm like, hmm, drink just that, dis- that that brings my personality out. So I'd say that's you. you that's know? me. Eh? Mm-hmm. I think I'd say a gin and tonic. Okay, why? Yeah, a gin and tonic. GNT. G-N-T. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's something um, fundamental that works with the GNT. (laughs) You know, there's a bit of consistency. You you can have a GNT anywhere. Yeah. And your experience will be the same. Uh, You know, you don't, if I go to my local, give me GNT. You know That's quite true. Yeah? Yeah. So there's something about, you know, you know, the consistency and and the simplicity of that I that I relate to. Yeah, in the sense that I try and be you know, I am me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big on being the same person you are at work, at home, you know, just consistency and being fluid across. Yeah. Uh, But then it's a bit interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. That's interesting. Consistency, simplicity. Yeah. And yeah, that that that's interesting about your personality. In fact, I was just reflecting about how we met. Because (laughs) initially I thought I think we met in corporate circles, maybe at some event somewhere, but we didn't. No, we didn't. Uh, we <laughs> met at Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it was at, you know, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. No, yeah. <laughs> so one, yeah. one Saturday afternoon, you came to Explorer and I was with some women friends of mine who were trying to form our chama. And uh, you actually, one of the members of the team, Irene, invited you to come talk to us about, you know, doing this thing we want to do. We wanted to economically empower ourselves. And you came and you're very open and honest and you told us what, you know, your experience has been and how we should go about it. We took your advice. I think it's been Two or three years now, our chama is flourishing. Wow, thanks to you, amazing. I know. And remember, we, and we used to think back. We're like, remember what Candy told us about. Yeah, yeah. We need to put this in the bylaws. I mean, just amazing. So, I mean, thank you so much for that. That's how we met. I know, that's hilarious. I'd forgotten <laughs> I about that. It was so random. Yeah? It was I know, like, it was. Just come and talk to my friends, okay? And this is my experience, and it was about table banking. And I'm and I'm really powerful. I'm. I mean, passionate about that. Yeah, economic empowerment. Yeah. You know. You know. Knowing. You know. What. What you. You should put your money, in yeah, and also coming together, right? Yeah, coming because together. So, as an individual, you can't really do much. And, it's important, but it's complicated and it's complex and it's not easy. So, yeah. I'm glad to that you're flourishing. That's no, thank you, thank <laughs> you. But also, just about you, I know. um Also, lending, you know, you you. I think you're very generous in lending your your thoughts or your experience to even other forums. Um, you recently attended the Lurie's uh, Awards show in October this year. Were you on the jury? You are on the jury for the Media innovation. First of all, why did you agree to be on the jury other than flying to Cape Town and having a nice experience? Because it's a lot of work. I've been on juries and I know you have to go through a lot of work, um, assess them and, you know, give your feedback. First, why did you do it? And then what did you see that just amazed you coming out of the No, So I think I'm very passionate about getting Kenya. I think, oh, look, I'm a believer in it's time for Africa. It's our time. It yeah. is. And I always say, I mean, I tell everyone, you know, it is a great time to be an African. It's a great time to be a woman. It's a great time to be an entrepreneur. It's a great time to invest to in Africa. invest in Africa. Yeah. But even more important, it's a great time to be the the drivers of the growth. Yeah. Right? Because when you look at all the numbers, you know, the next 20 years, and, and I have a 10-year-old, my son is 10. I'm like, I need to be part of setting up the success of that generation. Correct. Right? So when I think about that narrative, and that's the thing that gets me Every day because I'm like, my god, what am I doing? Yeah, I have a platform. Yeah, SafariCom is a great platform for me to first do stuff. Yeah, so I actually, in my day to day work, I try and make sure that I'm I'm really pushing, you know, world class type of executions, world class type of thinking. Yeah, because that's the exposure that I've had that I'm able to add into the equation. But then, more importantly, it's important to demonstrate to the world, especially in a, in a forum like Luriz, which is largely South African, that actually there's amazing work that comes from Africa and to inspire more Africans, Kenyans, Nigerians, you know, they call us Africa, outside yeah. South Africa. yeah Really making sure that we are driving, you know, getting into the seat and being yeah. part of the conversation because that's yeah. how we will shape our destiny. Yeah. So why I went to Luris and why I agreed to be on uh, in the media innovations one is to I push myself to make sure that we are entering. So one of the things that I'm having with all my agencies, all my teams. I'm like, guys, we have to be delivering award-winning work that is and, recognized. And tell the story. And tell the story. So yeah. recognize locally, recognize regionally, recognize globally, right? We actually did an entry, the same entry, Bonga for Good. We actually did it at Cannes and we actually got into the shortlist. So next year we're like next year we are winning and we we're, we're, well we're, we're getting in there we'll escort you to come we camp. must and we, uh, we all have to you see what i'm yeah. saying the safari come we're the we're the ones who will do it but that now allows for somebody to think about, oh, this is how I do it. Yeah, This is how it gets done. So Luriz, yeah. we, we entered Bonga for Good, but I was on the media judging panel. and It was just great to see people even, you know, amazed. And the story we had for Bonga for Good was just... Just explain the campaign. So Bonga for Good was during COVID. It was actually, again, one of the COVID response campaigns where we allowed or we created incentive for people to share their Bonga points. So if you have extra Bonga points you're able to share your bonga points with somebody who is in need. And then that person, as long as there's an Empesa till, you can actually deem it and shop. So you can go to your mama Bonga, she has a till number, and you can get, you can go to your local supermarket and get food. That's brilliant. And, and actually, and the digital part of that is literally, that's a currency, right? right. Leveraging loyalty points and creating them into a currency yeah. because people are able to transact. Yeah. So, I mean, really amazing. Well, you can always transfer your bonga points to somebody. So if somebody is in need, you know, if you're trying to think about how can you help, yeah, yeah, it's a great way to just share and share concern and love for, for everyone. So that was the campaign that we entered. And we got a bronze award. Congratulations. Yes, so at Good least stuff. we're on the map. Yes. But we left there telling them, next time it's gold. But yeah, actually, Grand a Prix. senator won a gold. Yes. Yeah. For shared value for as shared well. Value. Very similar type of, yeah. Exactly. We thinking. entered both categories. So we had shared yes. values and I think uh, media innovation or something. Yeah. So actually, it was great to be there with the EA Bill team. And we're like, yeah, Kenya is in the map. Yeah, it was our first gold at Aluri. So we're I very was, um, proud Part of the work Senator has done we so in the proud. community as well, yeah. yeah. And it's great when you go out there and you see people actually curious about my goodness, yeah. And that's how you get investment in, that's how you get the right, yes, you know, talent in and things like that. So that yes. was really great. What did I see that I really loved? I think there's t- two interesting, you know, campaigns or you know that stick stuck with me. One was, you know, during a COVID, one of the biggest issues in South Africa was gender based violence, right? Okay, and nationally just was an issue, just went crazy so there's this brand i don't know i cannot remember the brand but i think it was a media brand a, t- a tv um, like a media brand and they used augmented reality where they had this lady so it's like you know whoever whoever's reading the news during prime time and through you know technology you could just see her eye getting a bruise her lip you know bleeding and you know and you just see the horror of what gender-based violence looks like right and how it's it's, it's normal people it's together people like you and me yeah yeah, who are actually facing this because victims, you don't see Vict- the victim and in that in that state, in that state. Yeah. Because by the time they come, they are, they're all put together. Yeah. So, it was such a powerful way of dramatizing that. First, it's the victims are not you know, it's us, it's you yes. and me, and actually the call to action around stopping it. Yeah, so okay. that was really powerful. And I love the use of technology because it was every day. It wasn't you know, it was in it's like when you're watching 9 p.m. news, right? And Imagine. you just see this lady in front of your eyes degenerating. So, it's really, really bold. powerful. Okay. Yeah, beautiful. So I love that. The second one that stuck with me, and I think it won a huge a lots of awards because Louis is Middle Eastern Africa. Yes, was I um, did in Dubai. Okay, they did what they call a liquid billboard, mm-hmm. and the liquid billboard was literally. So the, the issue or the concern is, you know, obviously with with Arab countries, first um, ha- swimming, you know, you it can't it's, be exposed. you can't yeah. be exposed. Yeah. But then more importantly, you never see yourself in a billboard. Okay, you always see this model and this. But, you know, the portrayal is of, very different, exactly. Yeah, so what they did is they created this, this liquid billboard, which is like a on the beach, which is like, like a small swimming pool that you that was on the beach. That like when you swam in it, in whoever you are, you just come as you are, you swim in it. They took a picture of you, and that's what they put up in their billboards of regular, ordinary people, and then in and, and that's what they amplified. And that's it was fantastic, really. That's progressive portrayal. Progressive portrayal, um, brand relevance yeah. um, in that context and in that culture, and obviously for Adidas, I'm sure it's paid it's paid off big time. So now I have a question, and and those are great examples, and and I think I've seen the Adidas one, which is just brilliant. Now when it comes back to us, yeah, your head of marketing or your brand managers, the agency comes with a crazy idea and says, let's do this. Safari, com or EABL. And we say, ah, ah, ah. Yeah. first of all, this wouldn't be approved by legal, corporate, the MD is not going to let. It's too bold. It's too, uh, uh, this is not us. We stop creativity. So what happens? The agency goes back and says, okay, let's play safe. We're going to do a price campaign. We're going to do an enemy campaign. We just played safe. So when it comes to the awards, we really, what we're entering is really not you know award and we know first of all award let me just clarify award-winning work is not about our egos as marketers it's about award-winning work is effective it's it's effective from a marketing point of view and ultimately you know drives the business outcomes we're looking for so why is it we're we're not bold enough as and i'll say kenyans yeah i don't know about the other (laughs) africans as kenyans to do these wild crazy ideas i think it's a couple of things. One is what you've said. Creativity has to make sense for business. I cannot even approve or be involved in, in selling an idea that is really creative that has no business relevance. Yeah? Yeah. Because your marketing dollars are an investment. Correct. Yeah? It's, your, it's, your, it's your P&L. That's money that is meant to grow. Yes. Yeah, the business. So that's first. Second is, and, and a challenge, because that was what I used to say, right? Then I went to Safari where you know, budgets, you know, it's not really the biggest issue. But this, the creativity wasn't really there. And what I found out is there's two things you must do. One is I have in my overall spend, there's a 10% or a certain amount that I say This is for Innovation. innovation. Mm. right and i put that there and i channel it has to work mm. right but it's the kind of ideas that will make me uncomfortable there's no way i'll spend 60 per, my percent of my, my of my budget on something crazy but isn't it fair to say when you talk about the creative ideas that come through that are not driving the business objective whose fault is that are we briefing our agencies properly so they truly understand the business challenges we're facing they have the same data or insights that we're looking at so when they're coming up with this ideation it's based on that yeah. So a good example, and I think so, what I think is a solution is, and this is how we need to work. Yeah. Is again, it's not really your traditional brief, them, us, mm, right? Mm. They are partners and they need to be part of your business. Yeah. yeah. So a good example of, of where that really worked um, was with the Elliot campaign, the 159 campaign. Yeah. Right. Because that idea, or what we said is, look, we want to do something. We need to do something as the brand. We need to do something as, as M Pesa. Yeah. And we threw it to the agency and we said, guys, figure it out. And what they did, because they were also so excited about the opportunity and they love it, you know, they love the brand, whatever. They actually did an internal sort of every creative, different creatives presented ideas. So we different teams. So they created engagement in their teams now. And then we chose the one that we said, this is the one we need to go with. And we're like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. So that investment yeah, has to come from the agency. Being part of your business and being understanding what you're trying to do as a business and as a brand, yeah. And then coming from that, now that's how we ended up, you know, going to Twitter, and they were like, Wait, don't worry, we can do an emoji, right? And then we ended up doing that. So, partnerships, I think, are critical, but literally, you have to have the right, you know, relationship and engagement. I, I have situations now where an agency will come and say, Look, we just have a proactive idea, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and also the fact that it's proactive and doesn't mean I'll do it, yeah. Right? But keeping the conversation open and doing that. And then still having a space where you you try. Yeah. So not fail. saying no all the time. Yeah. Because that also kills their motivation yes. to come back with those proactive ideas. I like what you said about having like a, if it's 10 mm-hmm. or 5 or 20% set aside for those experimental ideas that could become something bigger or not. And yeah. then I also challenge them to say, what awards are we winning this year? Hmm. So I'm very deliberate about that. I'm like, look, what are we entering in Louis? What are we entering in Cannes? What are we entering in? And and, and owning that. So because, again, I'm not the expert on how to do these entries, how to do these things. You guys are the creative agency. So tell me. And the quality of entries. I think a lot of great work gets done by brands in Kenya. But the way the entry is done from a storytelling point of view is interesting. I know you were the deputy chief judge at MSK last year. And you know you've been on on those juries for many as I have as well, and to be honest, some of those entries I was like, wah, I've seen this campaign, but it was not it was put together. It's not really you know it could have been better. And I remember in and I'll just be very open and vulnerable in twenty as BC. as as EABL our entry we didn't take time to do our entries properly for MSK. We Mm -hmm. delegated it. We didn't put time to it. And I remember, I'll never forget, we went for that MSK and Safaricom was swooping awards (laughs) and we're just sitting there like, but we (gasps) did such good work. And the year after, we made a deliberate effort, even when we were starting campaign planning and saying, how do we make this award winning? How do we tell the story? And that next year is when, you know, we also swooped awards because we're telling the story properly and we're measuring it to a business outcome. Don't just do a campaign and say, okay, these are the The brand metrics or the KPIs, the campaign metrics are okay. But what was actually the business metrics that you impacted as well? Exactly. And I think that's the difference. And when you look at, when you go to places like Lurie's, for example, when you see... Mm -hmm. The deliberate, I mean, these guys, it's exactly that. They're very clear what they're going to enter at the beginning. And then you have that engagement across. Yeah. So, again, you're not just talking to, to the brand manager and whatever. You literally, the CEO is invested. Right. Because when you think about things like that liquid billboard, that's a proper investment that you're making. So, you have to get the right engagement within the business to buy into that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, also, I think that's a critical part. You need to be proactive about it, but then also get the right engagement and buy in. Across, Because it's not just, ta-da, you know, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. I I know we're marketing in a digital world. How do you, as Candy, stay on top of, you know, what's new trends, you know? You're not the consumer, (laughs) you know. You're not the consumer all the time. Uh, I always say a task consumer is 18 to 24. It is not me. So how do you stay in touch with that so you understand your consumer better? So I think I'm big on spending time. You know just you know when you spend time with people who are different from yourself, you know so especially here if it, if it's if it's about really understanding young people i have and I, it's not even complicated. I have young cousins I mean I have a ten year old so I look at him and I look at how what is his behavior um you know when he's you know I keep saying you know the most shocking thing was now when they were working from home, and you just find the ease with which he navigates you know getting a tiktok account you know doing you know all that stuff so first i think there's just that awareness of it's not rocket science in the sense that you don't have to go into a focus group and do what you there know you I, I sit down with my uncles and i'm like so what do you think about you know yeah. what is your what, what are your worries when it comes to digitization and the because i live in this market at least contextually yeah, i'm able to do that yeah and then i just you know i read as as often as i can i'm online a lot it's also just being spending time in these spaces yeah. Yeah. If you want to be a digital native, spend time in the digital space. You know, yeah. I'm on Instagram, yeah, and I enjoy and understand and try and understand what Instagram is. So I'm there as a person, but I'm also understanding, oh, this is how this works from a business perspective. Yeah. I have people in my team who are digital natives. So again, it's also surrounding yourself with people who are not like yourself because I also, you know, have a certain perspective of things. But there's young guys in my team who I have, you know, real digital natives who are able to say, this is the opportunity for TikTok for our business or or whatever. So, I think it's a balance of being interested, right? Curious. Curious, exactly. Mm. Stay curious, stay Mm. hungry. Mm. And when you're curious, you you know, you immerse. And when you immerse, you learn. And also just consistently saying, you know, you keep learning. Like I, 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 and what I think I love about, you know, digital marketing is that's it. You're always learning. Yeah. Because it's new every day. Yeah. And what worked yesterday doesn't work today. So you always have to be learning. You have to understand how is technology helping us, you know, improve our, either it's our campaign metrics or is it helping reduce our costs you know at least that fundamental never changes yeah. but now what are the ways that that i do that so it's just about being curious being interested, being participating. Yeah. You know, if it's hanging out with 18 year olds, hang out with them. I'm a bit shocked and out of the water, but at least <laughs> I come out of there knowing, hey, okay, this is yeah. where these guys, this is how these people think. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is the world in which they live in. Yeah. And, and I think it's so important that you proactively, you know, in the traditional days, you'd wait for your organization to take you for training and all that. Now we have so much information available, so many spaces and opportunities um, for us to continuously learn. I think that's so important. So as you, and again, it, it speaks to, it it sounds to me like you're a very busy person. Eh? Like you're here, you're in the trade, you're, you know, hanging out with your consumers or p- people who look like your consumers. You're attending, you know, award shows as judging. Hey, Kendi, you're busy. You're coming to my chama to advise us. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's not all glam. Eh? Yeah, you're see, you're no, looking no, pretty. I know eh? no, it's not all glam. <laughs> but at what point do you feel that I'm successful? Like this is success. What is success to you? Oh, my God. That's such an interesting one. So I think I'm a big believer in, in it's a journey. Right. And a wise friend of mine the other day, well, a couple of years said, we're all trying to find our way home. And that for me stuck because it's such a powerful confirmation that success is a journey. It's yeah. Not like destination. Yeah. So I am big on gratitude and practicing gratitude and celebrating small wins and celebrating today uh, and celebrating yeah. celebrating life every day everywhere. There you go. Literally. <laughs> but yeah. So I th- I don't I, I don't see success as one thing, right? Mm. I think it's a journey, right? Yeah. And the practice is about gratitude every day. Just being grateful today. Wow, that campaign was great. You know, I love how this ad came out. I enjoyed this conversation with Why Today. You know, those are the things that I practice—just the gratitude around everyday little milestones. And I think eventually, when you do that, then you know you're able to say, "Ah, okay, it wasn't such a bad year." I remember once I was going through this really crappy. So I'm also big on on putting goals, right? And life goals. Yeah. So you know, like not just work goals. You know, yeah. you have your work objectives, but I have my I have my health. You know, I want to. Lose twenty kilos or whatever. Yeah, we all you know, have every that year. In our every year, year yeah, yeah. I have my you know financially. These are this, this yes. is the financial you know my goals for the year. You know, so life goals. And I found that such an amazing. And actually, um, it was from Valerie Button. I read a book called Successful Women Think Differently. Okay, and that's what she said. You have to have goals. Across, um, yes. not just work, but work is one of the things. Your relationship goals, your personal, your health goals, your financial goals, etc. And there's a year when I was, it was so bad. Like I was just like, my God, I am failing in mm-hmm. life. And when I reviewed actually I realized only one aspect is not working right right there's other actually when it comes to my health actually I've lost like two kgs so I'm on track to a certain extent when I look at my financial goals actually I'm not too bad yeah so that context and that being able to look at life like that is that's the energy that you get to say oh actually it's not all to the dogs yeah let me focus this energy on fixing this one area. Yeah, I love it. So that's sort of, I think, one of the things that I say has helped me a lot in being able. And also that's how I help prioritize all the things that I do. Because again, I'm clear, I'm not one-dimensional. Yeah. So it's not just about candy and safari come and work. No, that's one perspective. I'm a mother. So how am I engaging in that? I have um, financial goals. Let me engage with other people to see how we can, you know, improve our financial awareness. So also then with that perspective, then again, it doesn't feel like I'm just doing many, many things, right? I'm able to say this links back to this. This is where I'll do it or not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Prioritize. I think one of the, I attended a session from Dr. Patricia Morogami and she said, you know, put your priorities on your, like your fingers. So, you know, there's work, there's health, there's finances, there's spirituality, there's your relationships or whatever it is, Yeah. yeah? Yeah. You prioritize. So that you're always looking at all five of them. Because sometimes you'll be, I've been in a season where I'm thriving at work. I'm being recognized. This is going well. But at home, things are collapsing, you know? Exactly. The kids are running crazy. You're wondering, where am I being called to school all the time? You're not giving them attention. So it's, again, I love what you're saying about prioritizing. I believe in that whole work-life integration. You know, if you're fortunate to work or be self-employed, and you can do that. If you work for an employee who allows you to have that I think covid has taught us that, you know, that integration, a lot of us knowledge workers can work from anywhere. How do you make that work for you as well? So, go to the gym in the morning, you know, spend some time at your, with your kids or whatever. If you don't have kids, you're with your girlfriends or whoever and but work is also, you know, a, a key a core thing for to, you know, as part of your life, yeah. Yeah, and I think another big lesson for me has been just be kind to yourself. Sometimes we're just so like you <laughs> know like the the voices you the, in your head, how even you speak to yourself, you know you're just like so. Uh, yet? I know you know you're. I mean you can you're doing your best, and you yeah. wake up and you set out to do your best, and you know maybe some days you're you know maybe it's PMS week, and maybe that week you are twenty percent of who you should be. It's okay. Yeah. Next week you'll be eighty percent, and net net you'll be you're good. So also I think just being conscious, I mean self care in that sense, yeah, being kind to myself. You know, be ambitious. You know, it doesn't mean you're not ambitious, but it means just be kind. Yeah? yeah, The same kindness you extend to other people or the same kindness you expect other people to extend to you, extend to yourself. Absolutely. Because sometimes you listen to your voices in your head. And if your boss or somebody talked to you like that, you'd be like, hello, don't talk I to me like know. that. But to yourself, you're like, you didn't do this. You know? So really being conscious for me in in that space of kind, kind to myself and understanding, again, it's a journey. It's a marathon it is this is we have you know we've done 10 kilometers we have 30, 32 to go imagine so you ha- you know keep so just going. you know keep growing mm. keep listening uh, and taking the feedback and, and and being aware of what you need to work on but then also celebrate what you're great at yeah. Yeah, and and appreciate that and recognize that and be great at that Last thing, you know, we can't not talk about inclusivity and diversity because you are a big champion for that, not just at Safaricom. I know you sit on the UN and Stereotype Alliance. First of all, why did you decide to get in, you know, like I said, you're so busy. Now you're like, I even want to champion inclusivity and diversity. First of all, what does it mean to you? And what does uh, an inclusive and diverse society or workplace look like for you? I think maybe if I reflect to when I started working, which was, I don't know, 19 years ago or something, Right. First, I think if I think about it that time, right, there was a fear of actually bringing yourself to work. You know, this thing you're talking about integration mm. and, you know, <laughs> you know, you, you, there was a persona that you showed up in the office with. Yeah. right? And yeah. then there was a persona you had outside. Because yes. It, the office was not a safe place to be you. Um, and, and for me, that is one of those things I told you. I, I struggle. I want to be I'm consistent. I like to be candy wherever so I think for me, that's one of the things, the gifts that I would like to leave that anyone who's working. And, yeah. you know, when you're contributing to the community and to the society, you bring yourself 100 percent because you can only be yourself. Yeah. And that's what you can be the best at yeah. yourself. So I think there's a lot of um, power yeah, in getting people to understand themselves and understanding yourself. Then therefore means you have to accept other people as themselves. Yeah. So we move away from this. You know, I remember the time there was a stereotype even about how a marketing person should be. How you should talk. You should have a certain accent, and you should <laughs> hon, hon, hon. there's a way you had to present. And you know, you have to be in seven-inch And I'm like, me, I'm a, I'm a chick of Converse. i wear jeans and Converse, and you know, and that's who I am. So, so, so. Or, oh, or oh, as women in leadership, do you do you remember there was a time when women would be in power suits? You know? Yeah. Trouser suits and power suits, and trying to look like a man. Yeah. That, you know. Yes. And you can't, I mean, <laughs> this kind of hair. How dare you go into <laughs> an office <laughs> as a woman? You'll be taken, you'll be dismissed immediately. <laughs> you know, what is that? Tomato you know? Kambali Exactly. So yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's, and it's something which, when we were there, I remember I used to be like, why is it like this? Right. So, so, um, so you used to, question Question and challenge. So I think diversity and inclusion is big in just allowing everyone to be and who they are, wherever. And when you do that, then people bring their selves and then therefore, then the output is the best self because I'm not busy wondering about how am I going to wobble across this floor with my heels. I just walk with whatever shoes that I have. So that's important. When I think about um, advertising and marketing, you know, I remember we used to do briefs and the housewife, blue band the description of the customer was a housewife. And I used to wonder, I'm like, me, I don't know any housewives in my life. <laughs> All my aunties, every woman they I work. know works. Yeah. And they're hustling in some form. So yes. so also that the perspective of how we were looking at our customers and then therefore then how you're being relevant to them was a bit, you know, one-dimensional. And the household decisions um, were being made by women. I think the, the statistic is 88% of household decisions, buying decisions are made by women. Yet yeah. we were not creating for A- that. Exactly. And yeah. then I'm like, who is this housewife? Yeah. Who, you know, I'm like, I don't understand. So even being able to, to do it from that perspective. So from first, how what kind of products and propositions and things we're putting out in the market? How is that relevant to the people we are today? Two is ultimately even how we communicate. So again, the thing with Anseriotape Alliance, which I loved, which I fell in love with it immediately when they said, the the purpose is about how can we leverage advertising as a force for good because yes. advertising is such a great driver of perceptions and stereotypes. Yes. And the examples it there were like culture, like Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you find when I was at EABL, I remember mm-hmm. we had no no brand was targeted towards women. Right. Nah no, there was nothing. It was like yeah women will drink malt by mistake. But our core when you look at the target uh, customer, it's a guy. It's male, yeah. And then you're like, but we are all here on Saturday and Friday, exactly, having a good Dindang, old time, yeah. So just you know that dichotomy of of especially when it comes to women and gender stereotypes to say if you're a woman in an ad who's drinking a beer or drinking a gin and tonic, that doesn't mean that you're a horrible person who's irresponsible. So really, how can we shape that perception? And I think it's happening, but it's 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 a process of getting there. And I told you, my mom was like, "How can you go there?" <laughs> and that again is a stereotype. It's a stereotype, yeah. yeah. And she was just like, "How could I tell my friends yeah. w- where you work and, yeah. and what are, what can I bring for them?" Yeah. So for advertising, I think it's a great opportunity. I think you know when you think about uh, and once you get into the awareness of yeah. of the impact that you have, you know, then it becomes so easy. Yeah. I was saying the other day I was doing a PPM. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, for an ad, the new m app ad. And the the, the 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 casting was Indian guy owns a startup, a business, owns a tech business, talking to a, a a young girl, telling her what to do. Then I was like, guys, isn't this a bit stereotypical? It is stereotypical. <laughs> but we all have, yeah. And it was so, and we, then until I mentioned it, because I don't think anyone went out. It's not intentional. intentional. Yeah, it's an unconscious bias that we have. Uh, exactly. And then yeah. I said, guys, actually, how about this? Why not? And everyone was like, yeah, that's so cool. And it actually helps uh, bring more, it makes the ad more interesting. So that's why it's important in terms of the creative agencies, who's in front of the camera and who's behind because of their perspective. So you're thinking so it's around the perspective so the diversity is not we're just saying we're not saying we only women should be behind the camera we're saying both and also the comfort of having the conversation yeah you know so, so that it, I mean yeah, when you bring it up it doesn't mean oh here we go again with that feminism uh-huh. and no uh-huh. it's actually just let's think about it Let's have and you don't have to agree all the time sometimes we'll be like no actually this works and it's not a stereotype it's actually gonna help the storyline Or actually yeah here maybe we're being a bit more stereotypical so I think when you think about advertising I think about again you know what I would like to leave to the next generation—it has to be stuff that a world that I'm happy about, and at least the same, you know, issues that we found are not the ones that we're we are leaving. Absolutely, that's a good way to, you know, to exit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally, the show, the show, end of the world. <laughs> no, it's oh, been so. really great. Thank you so much Candy. Any parting shots? I feel like, you know, like you were in my living room, we were having a G&T. <laughs> nice. It was really so much fun having you on this podcast. Any parting shots from you? No, thank you. Thank you for having me. That was this was really fun. I think maybe the parting shot is just for any marketers out there. Yeah, is, you know, just be yourself right the worst thing you can ever think is i need to be somebody else to succeed or to do well yeah right. just bring yourself do you yeah because you the insight you bring the perspective you bring is actually the thing that will make the difference and then you know nobody has it figured out eh? we're all learning we're all growing we're ah. all you know so just learn be stay hungry stay curious and yeah I and enjoy that. the ride you do you, and stay hungry, stay curious. I love it. Thank you. Thank you, uh, you Candy. too. Yeah, I will. Yeah, do you. Do you, boo. Do you. Sawa, Keep doing you. Thank you. This is the iMarket Podcast, brought to you by the Marketing Society of Kenya, EABL, and Capital FM.